outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. Today's episode is all about watching the memory reel from last season to make goals for the upcoming year. I love bow hunting for all kinds of critters. Western bow hunting is some of my favorite kind of hunting to do. And while there are plenty of differences between, I don't know, hunting elk and hunting whitetails, the one that I dislike the most is that a lot of Western bow hunting is not really a year-round thing. Now, you've got the fitness aspect and you've got shooting, of course. But as far as like dedicated hunting activities, it's much more kind of in the moment than deer hunting is. Because whitetails, on the other hand, that can be like a year-round obsession that allows you to do something every week in order to be more successful this coming season. This is something we should all acknowledge as our seasons close and we reflect on last year and start to think about what we want out of this year, which is the entire crux of this week's show. For a lot of us, the deer season is over. For others, it's circling the drain and will wrap up soon enough. Now, I know for many of you, this is a sad time. It's going to be like months, nine months, something like that, before you can hunt again. For others, it's probably somewhat of a relief. To me, it's a lot of both. If you're doing things correctly, you've probably put a lot of work into your whitetail season. And work is usually not that much fun. It is rewarding, which is super important. But fun? Not so much. Having a break from that work and the early alarms, it's something that can provide some relief. I used to feel guilty about feeling that way, but I don't anymore. It's kind of like when my wife wants to go off for a girls weekend somewhere and drink margaritas with her friends and have pillow fights or whatever they do. I love her and all that jazz, but I'm not sad to see those taillights heading down the street knowing I've got a weekend to myself. With deer season, that relief that it's over is mixed heavily with sadness that it is indeed over. When you get to a certain age, you become real cognizant of passing time. 
I think this might happen to all of us, but it certainly happens when you have kids. They're just constant reminders that time is flying by and there's nothing you can do about it. What that means to all of us is that the amount of deer seasons we have left is a finite resource. There might be many or there might be a few and we will never know how many we are dealing with until it's too late. Now, if you can't tell so far, this isn't the most upbeat foundations episode, but it'll get cheerier, I promise. But for now, I want all of us to recognize the true gift that we have with deer hunting. While many folks are weekend warriors whose life wouldn't be greatly affected if the whitetail ceased to exist tomorrow, that's probably not you. It's definitely not me. This stuff is important to us, and there's something about being wired for it kind of just changes your perspective. It should also prompt each of us to look at deer hunting for what it is, for what it means to us, and for how we can make next season even more enjoyable than the past season was. That's what I really want to drive home with this episode, to be honest. This is because there's something that a lot of us do in the immediate aftermath of the hunting season. We think back to the successes and the failures of the season, and we fall in love with the idea of doing something different next year. We think things like, I'm going to scout more. I'm going to shoot my bow a lot more. I'm going to figure out what the big deal is about tree saddles so that I can be truly mobile. But then we get sucked into seasonal depression as winter hangs over us. We let a few weeks or months pass by, and then we focus on the upcoming fishing opportunities and maybe when the turkeys will be gobbling. In short, we kind of just forget. It's kind of like when you get tore up from the floor up as a younger person, or hell, at whatever age, and the room is spinning and your late night Taco Bell splurge is threatening to make a violent escape from your body when you say, hey God, it's me again. If you can keep me from dying, I promise to never do this again. And the following morning, you dig in your heels even more as you pray for a merciful death and you say to yourself, there's not a chance that this shit happens again. But guess what? The misery fades and we forget. And suddenly it's someone's birthday or whatever. And bam, you're hollering at your DD in the drive-thru that you want extra hot sauce with your chalupa. We are masters at falling in love with ideas, but then reverting to our old patterns and behaviors. We do this in our relationships. We do this with our jobs, with tequila on random Saturday nights. We do it with fad diets and workouts, and we definitely do it with deer hunting. When it comes to the latter, the best thing you can do is take a deep dive into your recent deer hunting season and make a realistic plan to change things up for the coming year. Now, I'll give you a few examples from my life where I've gone into deep reflection mode and come out the other side a better hunter. The first and one of the biggest things that happened to me involved shooting. I always think back to the shots I took throughout the season. How many worked out perfectly? I mean, how many went right through the lungs or the heart and did exactly what I always hope happens? How many didn't? Were there any gut shots? Were there any shoulder shots? How about flat out misses? How did any of those happen? This exercise over the years has really forced me into a specific spot as a whitetail bow hunter. I freaking hate missing deer, and I really, really hate making bad shots on deer. I don't want it to happen, but I know it will. So every year, I think about my recent track record, and I try to figure out what went wrong. Did I rush my shots? Like last season, I missed a nice eight-pointer in Wisconsin, absolutely rushed it. No question. I know that. I'm not going to do that again, I swear. 
Or maybe some other time did I talk myself into shooting through a little bit too much brush? Were the deer alert or farther away than I should have been shooting? Was it just bad marksmanship or bad shot selection? Whatever the answer is, or the answers are, I'm going to vow to do better. This will come in two parts, which I'll get into later this spring, but really boils down to quality practice with top-notch equipment and shot selection, which doesn't come into play until the season. And shooting is an important one. This is because you can largely control it by your off-season actions. If I sound like I'm beating a dead horse here, let me tell you a little bit about the season I had in 2008. It was my first year as a freelance writer, right after I got fired from Peterson's bow hunting along with 40% of the company's staff. So I was starving. I also felt an immense pressure to kill a big buck or three to not only have something to write about, which is how I got paid, but to also prove that I belonged in that role because I definitely didn't believe that was true. I started the season out on a high note, killing a public land spot and stock antelope on my first stalk of the season. The shot on that speed goat was the farthest I've ever taken on a game animal and about twice as far as I'm confident to shoot today. But then I shot a lot and I mean a lot and I was confident until I wasn't. Then things went south. Then I couldn't hit a deer to save my life. And then when I did, I hit them poorly. I was unraveling at the seams and the final straw was a brute of 130 class Northern Minnesota buck that posed up perfectly for me. And I still shoulder shot him after putting in a ridiculous amount of stand time. It was my worst season ever. And it prompted me to take a long look at my entire bow setup, as well as my practice style, my consistency, my overall regimen and my attitude. I vowed after that season to change a lot and it largely worked to dig me out of my shooting hole. Although I definitely fall back into it once in a while. Now, why do I tell you this? It's just a cautionary tale. Think about your shots on deer last season and be real honest about them. If you feel that something needs to change, then it does. And you should plan for that. Now, I also try to take a deep dive into the other moments when I was really frustrated throughout the season. One particular memory from this past season was when I got to a spot I absolutely love in North Dakota to glass a big old public river bottom. After an evening and a morning session on the spotter, I realized that those late September bucks were not going to do what I expected. They were pressured, really pressured, and they weren't about to go into the open during daylight hours. The game had changed from previous years, and as much as I tried to push a dead program, I knew I'd have to change too. I also knew I'd have to lower my standards if I wanted any venison for my efforts. And while I did get one really good opportunity at a solid buck, the only buck that I felt I had a real chance with, I got beat by the thermals and his no bullshit nose. It was frustrating to believe I only had one deer to work with and he busted me. I ended up shooting a doe, which at that time felt kind of like a letdown, but now feels like something different. I'd rather have that experience and that meat in my freezer than not. What that initial frustration taught me, or I should say reminded me of, is that hunting is always changing. At least for those of us who don't own a thousand acres in southern Iowa, it's always changing. While I expected a similar hunt to years past because that's what I wanted, it's not what I got. I did get a hell of a lot more challenge, and I did get forced into hunting where I didn't expect to, both of which were actually good things even though they didn't feel like it at the time. 
But what's even better is the deer hunting lesson about how shit is going to go wrong and you've got to deal with it in real time. There's no way around it. And the more you accept that, the easier the whole thing gets. Just got to deal with that stuff. Think back to your last season. What really frustrated you? Was it, I don't know, bumping into other hunters? If so, could you have worked harder to get away from them? Could you have researched different access points or employed different access options, like maybe a kayak or an e-bike or something? Did you do enough to get away from people? Or did you end up only hunting weekends out of choice or necessity? Can you start laying the groundwork now at your job or at home to remedy that for the upcoming season? Or maybe, I don't know, did you have a long string of unproductive sits? I've had this happen to me in northern Wisconsin, and it sucks. I've gone three weeks over there in the big woods without seeing any deer, and that, my friends, leaves a mark. It's also largely avoidable if you're willing to do some in-season scouting and keep looking for fresh activity. Did you do that? Or did you default to your favorite stands because they're convenient? Did you just kind of get sick of hunting the same ground? That happens a lot. And the cure is something I've preached about on here a million times, which is find more ground. You can make that plan right now. And if you stick to it, you'll never, ever regret it. This is the time to try when it comes to securing new hunting spots. You got to try to find those spots. Now, if you've never hunted public land, go check some out. It's a low risk, low reward proposition right now, but you might turn something up if you can't stand that idea. And I know a lot of people can't you'd better start tapping your network for connections to more deer ground or maybe start researching some leases. However you go about it, if your frustrations from last year stem from not having enough ground, you know what your job is during the next nine months. Or maybe, I don't know, did you have some serious FOMO after you checked out Kenyon's Instagram and saw him hunting all over the country while you were stuck on your grandma's farm for the 26th year in a row? Could you have traveled somewhere to hunt new deer but didn't? Was it too expensive? Or do you just not have the time or the confidence? All of that stuff can be acknowledged and addressed now. It's also something I plan to cover a whole bunch in future episodes, so you won't have to curse out that lucky bastard Mark for all those sweet hunts and his rock star celebrity lifestyle. Of course, you don't want to just reflect on the frustrating aspects of last season. Humans are really good at focusing on the negatives. In fact, it's a genetic hardwire that keeps us alive or I don't know, at least kept us alive when we climbed out of the trees and started roaming around eating random roots and bugs and waiting to figure out how to make crude tools and eventually harness fire. We know that now, so we don't have to focus solely on the negatives. We can make the choice to use the negatives to guide us for next year, so hopefully there'll be fewer of them, but we can and also should look in the rearview mirror and think about what made us happy. Did you kill the buck you were after? Or at least kill a buck that was of a caliber you were interested in? If so, hell yes. Good job. What went into that success? Can you replicate it next season or expand on it? For example, did you finally take the plunge into mobile hunting and kill your buck that way? Then keep at it. Learn your gear better. Scout more suitable trees this winter. Lean into that style. Or did you kill your first buck from the ground? Or your first buck during the lull? Whatever. What did you learn? What did that success teach you? Did it teach you that you love killing bucks, but have no idea how to butcher them? There's a good off-season topic to study. Or did you not kill a buck, but still have a great season? Why? Were you around deer most or all of your sits? That's a great way to enjoy your season, even if you end up munching on tag soup after the time runs out. Or did you just stumble across a time of the season or a hunting strategy 
that made you enjoy things more. That stuff happens. And if it calls to you, listen up. There's nothing that says you have to follow a Dan Infault style strategy to be a great hunter or more importantly, to enjoy it. But if buck beds and swamps get you going, then by all means, listen up because guys like Dan have a lot of solid advice to offer in that category. But if there's something else that makes you happy, understand that's what you can lean into for the upcoming season. Now, while I'm sure a guy like Mark actually sits down and writes his goals out, probably in a spreadsheet with encouraging phrases and doodles on it, you don't have to do that. You should spend a little time reflecting on last season and thinking about not only what you feel like you should do, but how you actually can accomplish those things. And that's the hard part. Thinking about goals is easy. Actually accomplishing them is difficult. This is one of the reasons why most folks love the idea of eating right, or maybe running marathons, or having a well-trained hunting dog, climbing Mount Everest, whatever. But most folks will never do any of those things because they are hard just like deer hunting is. But those things can be fun and rewarding as hell, just like deer hunting. So shut your phone off, sit back, and do a little old-fashioned thinking. Run through your past season, or hell, your last five years if you've got them to call upon, and start planning for the new year. This is a good exercise, and it brings up something that I want to wrap this episode up with. You think you have time, but you don't. Sure, in the space between right now and the next bow opener, you could grow an entire human baby if you had the right organs and stuff. I don't know, I'm not a doctor. That seems like a lot of time. But if you've ever slipped one past the goal, you know those nine months fly by. The off-season will too. And the windows in which you really need to take advantage of different things in the deer woods, they'll close too. You'll see this in upcoming episodes that focus on shed antlers and hunt trip planning and winter scouting the latter of which is the most important time you can spend in the wild, except maybe, maybe for the time you spend actually hunting. So I don't say this stuff lightly, my friends. I really mean it. There's work to be done. And while I'm giving you a week to reminisce on past failures and successes, it's nearly time to get back out there to start fresh, to start the process all over again. That's what next week is all about. And it's going to kick off a long list of episodes dedicated to getting you out there doing what your competition mostly won't be doing. You'll also be learning about the deer when most folks aren't. In other words, you're going to start earning that filled tag soon. So don't miss out on next week. That's it, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Wired to Hunt Foundation's podcast. I'm your host, Tony Peterson. If you want more whitetail wisdom, check out our YouTube channel and visit themeateater.com slash wired. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules 
from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.